evening slash afternoon slash whenever you are listening to this, ladies and gentlemen. This is Red and Blue Hate Yellow. I'm your host. With me this week is Mike Bashoff. Mike? Hey, how are you? All right. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, but most people probably didn't catch the show last week. We tried to do this weird live broadcast uh, via Google Plus and uh, YouTube, and it sort of worked until Sean didn't have an accurate way to watch the game besides a feed that didn't kick in until about halfway through the first half. Listening to it at work, not only, know, you know, having revisionist history on it, you know, knowing what was going to happen, but knowing that you were going to find out and then he was going to find out, and it was like a, a level of, you know, almost like a pyramid where I was like, ah, all right, well, it's like I'm three days ahead of the game. <laughs> At one point, and Sean's three or four minutes behind him. So, that was funny. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of, I don't know what was better about that. It was the fact that it was, I can't, I, I was even watching on my, uh, I had a stream on my computer that I was trying to follow, which was like only like 50 seconds ahead of him. And it was so distracting when, you know, with the TV in my room and, uh, or in Not, my living room. It's on TV, so. Yeah. And uh, and it's really hard for me not to react to something when seeing it happen for the first time. So there is, you know, I I'm not really sure. Uh, so I think it was kind of funny that all of the like, except for the one Bradley Wright Phillips goal, where I entirely overreact because at that point it was like that much needed goal. Well, actually, it put us back into the game. Really, it was two to one at that point. And when I react, and then but the rest of it's just me going shit, shit, fuck, no, nope, 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 drink heavy, drink, 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 yeah. Kept so, saying I'm drunk enough for this. I I wasn't. I clearly was not. I should have been just. I wasn't either. I did not um, appropriately portion my beers for the day, so <laughs> I didn't, I was not drunk enough for the match. Nor did I have money on me to be able to buy one inside the stadium. So my voice was pretty shot for the second half. Well, you need to almost take out a loan to buy beer in a stadium. Um, actually, I don't actually know what the prices are in PPL, because, like, when I was there... Um, I know they're a couple dollars more expensive at Red Bull than they are PPL, and they're pretty bad at PPL, so... Yeah. Um, I had a... 2011-2012, uh, when I was up there, there was a Lining Kugels stand right underneath where they have us up in the very top. And it was like $12 for a, either a summer shandy or uh, a sun, sun um, the wheat one, whatever it is. Yeah, that's... And I was like, really? That's just... It was too much. I, I, I bought it because I really wanted a beer, but I didn't want... I wasn't happy about it, you know? <laughs> that's usually how it... Yeah, I've, I've learned to, to find the places where... Because, like, they have, like, 12-ounce cans that you can get for, like, nine bucks, and I yeah. guess you're saving three dollars instead of getting the pint. It's a good, uh, good deal, and they, I mean, you gotta leave the, uh, supporter section for those at PPL, though. The guy comes around with just the normal, um, you know, bottles and such with that guy that walks through the section. And see, that's weird to me that you guys do that. We're getting totally off topic, but this is kind of fun, because Red Bull Arena, we don't have that. You don't have the guys walking around with the beers? We don't have, like, and I've always thought that's such a, a big, like, football 
and baseball thing and and well I don't really go to basketball games so I don't know if that really happens at basketball games or hockey games it's, it's been a while since I've been at a hockey game um I think there's people that walk around but like Red Bull Arena you don't have walking vendors which oh, wow. soccer always seemed to me to be the sport fans everywhere yeah yeah, I just I, – I would think soccer it would. And so last year when we were at PPL, that's actually how – I just waited till the beer vendors came to us. Oh, yeah. It and, was um, – it, it's the one guy who always works the River End, uh, side story here. Um, he does all the games, like all the major sporting events. Um, I guess, you know, the four majors plus the union. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said that he only does it on the side to – Earn money for his his kids uh, team or something like that or some sort of youth program that he runs. Okay. So it's you know basically like charity money. And he said from the sons of Ben alone last year, he made them like thirty five hundred dollars or something like that. No. So yeah, he he he'll uh, he'll change our chance to you know to sell beer like he'll change the wording a little bit and add beer references in there. It's it's pretty cool. That's a, you know so he, he gets really into it. We got we gave him a scarf and a, you know a, a flag, and so he will always wears that stuff. It's it's it's, it's fun. We we have a couple of guys like uh, I, I sit next to the supporters group. I don't uh, sit in 102. I'm actually in the next section over. So a lot of the security guards and stuff that sit in our section, like that work those sections, are usually the same. It's the same EMTs. You end up recognizing a lot of the faces in your section, like security guards and stuff. And uh, we have like one security guard who's the, who uh, kind of monitors one Oh four. Um, and he gets super into the chants. Like you can see him start bopping his head as the chants are going, like when he knows one. And it, it, it's funny to kind of watch those guys that you kind of know on a weekend week out basis who are usually pretty solid with, with entire groups. We have an EMT, who's always in our group, like, he'll give out bottles of water to supporters and stuff uh, if he thinks they need it. Like, he, he brings, like, a backpack full of water. In. Oh, that's, that's good. We don't get free water. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's it's kind of cool. It's it's You just kind of get to know those people. Like, yeah. you guys have a beer vendor that you really in front of The security guy in front of our section, uh, basically right next to the capo stand, um, you know, they're supposed to be watching for the offensive language and the chants the, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Now, obviously not the main, the ones started by the Capo stand, the, the ones that the fans tend to start up, you know, just the regular ones the fans tend to start up. And yeah. sometimes he'll just laugh his ass off when a particularly funny one comes up instead of, you know, chastising or giving verbal warnings. So it's, it, you know, full power to him for just, you know, having fun. Well, I think you got to, and uh, my wife had asked me, she goes, why do you think it's always the same guys in the same section? I said, it's it's actually, I think, a, a, a way for them to, you don't want to mess with the guy that you see week in, week out. Yeah. Like, cause you, like you kind of get to know these guys, they smile at you, they're friendly with you, and I think it's more of a comfort level with the, where, you know, you're not going to step on his toes because, you know, you know, you don't want to make his day shitty. And I, I really think that's why you wind up with a lot of You know, and they'll... Not only that, but that you'll also get a little leeway with them, and you know. But you know that if he knows exactly who you are, if something does happen, yeah, yeah, that's another good point. So, wow, this really got off topic fast. Wow, <laughs> Boy, about the game a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, you, might, you might be. 
No, I don't mind talking about it because I, 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 there's some things that are kind of parallel in, in both games that Ripple had this week. I mean, obviously one absolutely was disgusting and losing to Philly 3-1. I mean, I guess we improved our goal total from last year by one. Awesome. Um, but it sucks so bad. Just it, it, it didn't seem like the team for a little bit, they started fighting again and then Philly put more effort into it again and, and just Philly walked away with three points that they desperately needed. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of the exact opposite thing of, of, the 2012 season, which has my favorite Henri clip of all time, where he starts trolling Philly fans by the end of the game who have been booing him, because he realized in that scenario when Red Bull was winning in Philadelphia that it was going to knock Philly completely out of any chance of getting into the playoffs, and so he started waving at them, and then, you know, waving goodbye, and then started doing 3 nothing. Uh I'm not sure if he was signifying, like, the score of that game, or if the fact that the Red Bulls had beat them three games that season and it lost none. That day, I would think, that score line. Yeah. Um, but it, it goes on forever. Like, there's, you can watch a YouTube clip. He keeps going with it, and Philly fans keep booing him. And then he basically, you know, looks at them, like, and says, you know, he'll wave them on, like, boo it up, and then he'll, he waves goodbye to him again. And it was kind of that awesome feeling because in that year, so you know. That kind of makes you wonder, though, does he really hate us or does he appreciate us? You know, like, the fact that it, it, he does appreciate that there is the rivalry and there is the the disdain for him and the team, and it's, you know, coming along to where he would get that from Tottenham fans when he played in England, you know? And, you know, and I've seen, there's been other footage, it's from last year, I believe, when uh, we beat D.C. down there, and he's running with Tim Cahill after scoring a goal. And looking at the fans and telling them to boo him, you can see him say, boo me more. And I, I think it's part of that, like, a rivalry game he wakes up for, like, he, he has this mentality, and it's got to, I mean, we, we always, I've talked about this on the show before, um, you know, one of the best things that Henri always says about his Arsenal career is he never lost to Tottenham. Yeah. And he prides himself on it, and I think Henri understands rivalry games so much more. Not only what they should mean to the fans, but what they should mean to players, like, when, when, two clubs dislike each other, you don't care what the other fan base thinks of you. You want to see them boo you. You want them to hate you. Because if they hate you, you're doing your job on a week-in, week-out basis again, you know, every time. And I think that might be part of it with Philly. It, it's funny because he hates, it, it seems to be like he does the same thing to Toronto fans, which Toronto's not a solid rivalry with us. But I've watched when we play up in, in Toronto, he – he antagonizes that fan base pretty well, like enough so where it gets caught on camera. Um, he waved goodbye to them after like a weight winner that Tim Cahill scored uh, against them. And as he was hugging Tim Cahill, he was waving goodbye and just antagonizing fans in that game. And I thought that was strange because you never hear them ever talk. The two games they always talk about, like as players, is, is Philly and D.C., um, and what those games mean. and um, So I'm not sure why Toronto, I don't know if Toronto fans are just, like, they give it. Maybe something happened at some point in his life or in his career that made him dislike the city of Toronto. You, you, you don't know. You can't know that, you know. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's just, their, the like, the Red Patch Boys up there. Like, they, they, you know, antagonize players, and they're better at it, and they got under Henri's skin. And so 
he's going to return the favor when he gets the opportunity. I know that's what it is with Philly. I know that's what that is because Philly fans are relentless. They they don't care if they boo Terry Henry. Terry Henry plays for New York. They're going to boo him. So, you know, um, he could I, play for San Jose, who we couldn't give a fuck about, but it's Terry Henry, so we're going to boo him. It yeah. just adds to it that he plays for New York. So, you know, it, for for Philly fans, I like it, I had said this on the on the live broadcast and, and uh, I told you afterwards. If I'm Philly, I'm a little upset that this is the team that they bring out for Red Bull. Like this is how the team performs against New York. I will only be upset about that if in two weeks when we play Kansas City, mm-hmm. I know it's the way it's at Blue Hell and all that, but we will have. Basically two weeks rest, because the Crystal Palace friendly means jack shit. Yeah. And so basically two full weeks rest. If we don't come out the same way in that game, I I can forgive them for the Chicago game. Three games in eight days, they were exhausted. You could just watching that game, you could tell they were very, very tired. Mm -hmm. Not to get next's nose, but they just did not have much left after that stretch of games. So if they come out in a similar manner against... Kansas City, then it's like, okay, this is how, what the team is now, what they should have always been. Yeah. I won't be so upset. If Kansas City comes and then Montreal at home comes and they're back to how it was, then yes, I'll be upset that they came to play against New York in a game that mattered. But yes. when it comes to beating a, a top club in the East, the Kansas City, and then a bottom club the very next week in Montreal, you know, a game they can easily win, especially yeah. being at home. You know, it, I, then I would be upset. But it's too uh, – right now I can't speak to that, but I'm happy that they showed that they are willing to do it. It's just whether they can motivate themselves to on a week-to-week basis. And th- and that's the interesting thing, and I think that's part of it. I, you know, uh, Pecky came out – and I'm kind of upset that Pecky came up with this excuse after, after Philadelphia um, and said, well, the club's t- – you know, the, the guys are tired. First off, we lost very early in Open Cup. We lost our first game against the New York Cosmos. And, you know, we went out early in Open Cup, so we had the World Cup break, basically. We played, you know, two games in, you know, two weeks. We had played uh, – oh, I'm forgetting who we played. Was it – oh, I went to that game, and I can't even think of it at the moment. Oh, that's going to bug me. I think uh, Colorado – no, that's not right. I can't remember who we played two weeks ago. Doesn't matter. Then we played Columbus, and, you know, it comes back. Oh, it was Toronto. It was Toronto. Um, play Toronto. Play Columbus. You know, you get a big win against uh, Columbus. Toronto, you had been kind of unfortunate to draw that game. Or, no, very fortunate, I should say, to draw that game. Um, you know, a game in between there, I believe. So you have th- maybe three games. But, you know, the Columbus game, big win. Team put a lot into it, and you know Philly had played on Saturday, I believe that week too. Um, uh, yeah. So you get, you know, Philly's on the same schedule that you are. Philly looked a whole lot more awake for their game, <laughs> like a whole lot more. Like don't don't claim that the boys are tired. Like the no fan base wants to hear that tired, heavy legs. Like. No, one team put more into this and was woke up for it. It, it, Plain and simple, X's and O's, one team put more into this because we challenged them for a little bit. So clearly it wasn't heavy legs by the end of that game. Um, 
the thing that freaks me out, and and this was kind of a little bit of a factor, I believe, in the Philly game, and you could kind of see it that Philly has a deeper bench. Philly was bringing I mean, in. Oh yeah, I mean it's the, the crazy thing about it is that the that's it's like that because. Hackworth was playing the guys that should have been on the bench as starters. Yeah. So, no matter how early a sub needs to come into the game, you know, Danny Cruz or whoever can come in and be fine because they've been playing the whole season. And so, in that respect, the bench is deeper, but it's kind of because it was backwards for the whole first part of the season. Well, okay, I I would even give you that, but if not, even if, like, say, Hackworth was still the coach and he had the, the entire season he had been playing the starters that should have been starters, backups that should have been backups, but still got that rotation in, I still think Philadelphia's bench is deeper. Because when that game, you know, was 2-1, and then it goes to 3-1. At that point, Philadelphia was still being stretched because Philadelphia had let themselves relax a little bit. And I believe that there's opportunities there. We do that all the time. There is definitely an opportunity to come back and strike when we take a lead. Oh, yeah. Whether a half hour left or five minutes left of stoppage. Yeah. There's always opportunity late in the game against us. And I understand that Peggy Luandula wasn't available for that game. He had a personal issue. He was given time off by the team, and that's fine. But you look at, like, the the bench and who they were going to bring in. I mean, Andre Akbon, okay, striker, hasn't seen a lot of minutes, hasn't really scored first-team goals. It's all right, sub. But, I mean, when you start looking to kind of replace maybe defensive-minded players like Dax with somebody else, who do you really have? Yeah. And this became really apparent to me against San Jose, transitioning over into that game for us, where – we're watching the game. Red Bull takes a one nothing lead via a penalty given uh, and Bradley Wright Phillips converting. And these are the games where Henri has even said, I mean, I, I talked about it on, on the live show a little bit, you know, Henri telling the defense, do your fucking job. Now it's time. We have, you know, we have the lead again. It could stay 2-1 for the rest of this game. Defend. They do not get comfortable, this is what we have to do for the rest of the game. And, and he says after afterwards, after that, you know, the the beating of Columbus where he had three assists and one goal himself, you know, it was, it was a 4-1 game. That's all well and good, but you're not going to have that every week. And, and soccer's not a sport known where you're going to score multiple goals. And it, it, that's not a given. You get one goal, and as the old adage goes, you know, that, that was a big Arsenal thing. one nothing to Arsenal. Because yeah. sometimes you only get one shot at this. You better make that goal count, and, and you've got to defend after that. And we've got, we got that goal. But I don't think there was a person in that stadium thinking that one goal was going to be good enough. Because our defense has collapsed. So sitting at halftime, you know, the second half they bring out you know, your, your your bench players start warming up. I mean, this is standard fare in every MLS game or soccer game around the world. You know, your bench players start warming up. Usually they come towards the supporter section at Red Bull Arena. They'll come back. I, I'm not sure. Philly players, I'm sure, warm up in the river end. Uh, right in front of it, yeah. Yep. Uh, same thing with Red Bull players. So, you know, they come into our section. And my wife looks at me and she goes, 
who do you sub in at this point? Like, it's getting to the 60th minute. And there was one sub on our, like, like, that I could even see making, and it didn't entirely make sense to me. When I looked at it, Peggy Lulandula was back for the game against San Jose, and I was like, well, I could see you bringing in Peggy Lulandula for maybe, like, a Dax McCarty. Dax, in my opinion, against San Jose, had not had a great game. Get him out of the midfield, you know, bring in, let Cahill drop back as the defensive midfielder, or, you know, you, you, you can shift around a little bit. But, you know, Lulandula being the other midfielder and uh, looking at it, and I was like, no, oh, I'd bring in Lulandula. But then I started looking at it really heavily. Uh, Matt Miazga had been pulled after the Philly game because he kind of – he was caught suspect on a couple of Philly plays. So they they had pulled him and brought Sagaya in as the other center back. And Sagaya is actually plays – he's either center back or center defensive mid is the two positions he can play. So – if you really start looking at it in that situation where it's a one nothing lead, you've got to protect, the other player you can bring in is this young kid who just actually was his 19th birthday. You can bring in the 19-year-old and move Sagaya up to defensive mid. Midfield. Well, that was that's kind of like us and would have been bringing in uh, Brown, our new kid from uh, Jamaica. Like, you know, there's no reason why you would have any sort of confidence to bring him him in at that point. And that's the exact point. You don't have confidence in him. The reason he's not starting this game is because he's been pulled for, you know, other reasons. Connor Laid was a was a, a possible replacement. Kimura, like, but Michael Bustamante uh, and Andre Alcapon were the other subs besides Ryan Mara, you know, just for your backup goalkeeper. You're not going to bring in Akpon at that point. He's a striker, you know, and he's not this kind of striker that's definitely going to necessarily get you the second goal. So you're going to leave him. The only reason you, you actually bring him in is to either rest Henri or Wright Phillips and just get them some rest on their legs. But, I mean, Connor Laid has seen limited minutes this year, not really confident. Like, you don't have confident subs. Our bench right now is so thin that they really – and I'm not sure what this is is coming from. I mean, you listen to, to what um, the front office is saying, and the front office is saying that they don't really have, have money to spend because of salary cap issues. Well, then that's on the front office. Like, you need to figure out how to load contracts and make sure that you can get the best possible 18 players – at least, I mean, you've got, you know, you, you need your subs and your starters, and you need a solid bench to be able to back up the starters. Because if not, you run into situations like you do with New York, and by the time you get to the 80th minute, tired legs, somebody's not clearing the ball because you haven't brought in a defensive midfielder where you haven't been able to swap out somebody to strengthen that defense and just make sure that the defense has some extra help. Mm-hmm. And you get the, you you wind up in a situation where a ball doesn't get cleared and somebody like Steven Lenhart, who is just waiting for that opportunity. Steven Lenhart, who hasn't scored all season, by the way. Yeah. And in the 80th minute, you're tied 1-1. And you're looking in. And at that moment when that goal happened, I'm sitting here thinking, please Please, please, boys, do not give up another one. And, yeah, everybody can bitch about the referee not calling 
you know, carding Peggy Luendula after he had come in and he got kicked in the face and it should have been a penalty. You can complain about that being robbery. You can it's complain. MLS, you really can't complain about it because it's not going to change. You know, like you can complain. It's just yeah, but it's empty and you know it. Yeah. So and, and this is where it comes down to where Henri is right. We've got to, the team has to learn that one nothing is a valid score. A shutout needs to happen. Don't you know? And they have to play focused and, and better. But I think part of that comes down to they need a little bit deeper bench. Because you need somebody in a situation where it's one nothing, and you need to be able to bring in at least two guys and go, we're going to solidify the defense. We're going to park the bus a little bit. We're going to help the defense. We're going to be able to control the possession game, move the ball out, and get the ball up to the, you know, the attacking third and hold it there for a little bit. Not necessarily swing in a pass. You know, Work the ball over to the corner for a little bit. Make the other team chase the game. These are things that Red Bull is not doing right now, and, and it's killing us. It, we are slowly bleeding points. And it's going to be a point where, you know, somebody like Philadelphia, who is currently sitting, what, three points behind us? I believe it's three. I have to look. Um, after this, I think we're – you're in fourth, we're in fifth right now after the weekend's game. And it's two points. It's yeah. – no, wait, I'm sorry. Um, we are in fourth, and you were actually in fifth. Fifth, no sixth. Well, tied for fifth with um, New England, but New England has two games in hand on you guys. Yeah, we have one game in hand on you, one point ahead. We are in a really dangerous position right right now. Yeah, fourth place is good enough for a playoff spot, but this team needs help, and I'm not sure they're getting it in this transfer window. I'm not. I wish I was. I wish I could say we were going to have the next big DP signing. Um, it's not happening, as far as I can tell. Um, Hernandez is, is not going anywhere. He's not going to NYCFC. He's not going to RBNY. He's staying in Barcelona after dicking both teams around. Good on him. I don't really think he wants to come to MLS. Used MLS as a, as a leverage point to say, hey, I'm going to make some money here. Got Barca to spend a little bit more money on him, and he's staying in Barca. Yeah. Good for Abby. But uh, that help's not coming. I don't see Josie making a move this year. I do. I think Josie eventually comes back to the Red Bulls, I think, two, three years. Yeah. I think Sunderland, once they're done with him, they're going to sell him back to the States, and he's going to come back and try to rejuvenate his career here. But I don't see him coming this year. I think he's going back to Sunderland. He's going to train. I don't know. what. We'll see what kind of season he has, and then we'll see if he moves on. But we're not getting help. It, it's just not on the cards. I, I'm going to be shocked if by the close of this transfer window, there is solid help that comes in. And it could be the thing that costs um, both Andy Roxbury and Mike Pecky their jobs this season. You know what? Kind of on, maybe not so much Pecky. He doesn't handle the front office situations, but Roxbury, kind of on you. We've had four, we've had four transfer windows open since Cahill came. We've had zero DP signings. We're supposedly one of the richest teams in the league. We should be able to afford three DPs. At least two. I mean, not well, having being New York, not having at least two. I mean, the third you still pay some sort of luxury tax for, right? If you have a third. But it's not so. the it's, it's not the luxury tax that's holding back the Red Bulls at this point. Supposedly, it's salary cap. They can't actually fit a DP into salary cap because it counts for that 300000 against them, from what I'm hearing. 
So it's not even the luxury. Austria doesn't care about the luxury tax. They're not going to care about paying anybody, you know, four to five million dollars a year. That's that's not going to hurt Austria's feelings. Austria doesn't care about the money they spend. It, it, right now, it's a salary cap issue, which again comes comes back to the front office and not understanding how to structure people's contracts. And meanwhile, while we don't know how to do that, we have Bobby Comby and Richard Eckersley sitting on our roster, eating up roster space and money, and we those two players should be gone after the start of the season that they've had. If they're not good enough to make the bench in a game against, you know, uh, San Jose where the bench was pretty weak to begin with, you're not good enough to make that bench, you shouldn't be on this team, and you shouldn't be collecting any sort of paycheck from us. I mean, these are guys who are supposedly veterans and older guys, and I know Eckersley's contract, like Toronto's paying a lot of it, but we're still paying something. And if you're having salary cap problems and roster issues, those are the types of players who should not be saying. I, I guess it shouldn't be surprising because Red Bull's always dealt with this kind of backwards where certain people sitting, I mean, we, we held on to Kaka's brother for uh, four seasons. Four seasons that dude collected a paycheck from the Red Bulls. How long did you have Rooney's brother? Huh? And how long did you have Rooney's brother? Uh, Rooney's brother only played, he, two seasons, I want to say, and he at least saw reserve team minutes. Like, that's still two seasons too long to hang on to somebody that's not contributing at all. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's fair, but I feel like Rooney's brother contributed more than uh, Kaka's brother. Kaka's brothers, I think, I think he saw starting minutes, maybe five starting minutes at the end of one game. As a center back, I mean, the guy was completely. I mean, we we still make jokes about him. It, 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 it Red Bull has had a problem with running its front office and, and learning how to 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 manage the money. Maybe that's where you need a guy like I hate to say that NYCFC has a, a great coach, but NYCFC has a great coach where yeah, you know, Jason Christ is a money management type of guy. He knows what kind of players to get for the best value at the right times. And, and I mean, he ran RSL that way. And RSL is a very successful club. So, actually, I think Philly's pretty good about bringing in guys that they know can work in their system. And Well, they were. It's just each coach had their guys. And fortunately, the transition from Hackworth to Curtin has gone a little more smoothly with that. Mm-hmm. Curtin does know what, the, you know, the guys like Maidana and Noguera are, where they're most comfortable, and even though they're not his, or, you know, none of them are really his guys, but no. it doesn't matter because he's worked with them, and he, he actually knows where they're supposed to be. You know, Noguera likes to sit back a little bit and have more of the field in front of him. Yeah. He doesn't always play in that position, but the last couple of weeks he's kind of had to play where he's had to because of the, uh, the red cards and all. I'll but, tell you uh, who... Seems to, I, I mean, Latou's come out of, it, it, I think Latou's, it's funny because Sean has rubbed this in my face on the show, about the, the goal scoring that Latou's uh, come about this season. Is, because Latou is a goal scorer. When he wasn't scoring goals, he wasn't being played as a forward. He was yeah. being played as a midfielder or a winger. Yeah. And that's not what he's best at. That's no. why he wasn't scoring. Had he been in the forward... He would have been scoring that entire time, as evidenced by his recent lack, his recent run of goals. And his recent run of goals have come mostly in Curtin's system, where I believe Latou is playing as a withdrawn forward behind yeah. Connor Casey. Yeah. Um, but not only that, Latou is now taking all the penalty kicks. 
which is it, it, and this year in MLS, it seems like more teams are earning PKs. Thing I on soccer morning this morning, they were saying that they're on pace to double the amount of penalty kicks from last year. So yeah, um, it, it, having someone who very rarely misses them, that one, you know, not one this year, uh, mm-hmm. is is a bit of a help. I I really. And, and this is to, to – to, we we actually talked about this a little bit just after the game. On Wednesday, I I hate the fact that Latou didn't get yellow carded for a celebration. It's yellow yeah. cardable offense. Well, again, ML, MLS refs. You, yeah. you never know what they're going to call or not call. So Cons- Consistency is not a thing with MLS I've, refs. I've never – I stopped complaining about the refs a long time ago because as much as it sucks when they call, you know, three minutes of stoppage, and then they allow six, and then FC Dallas scores the tying goal. Yeah. As much as that sucks, it's an MLS ref. And then you see, like in you know, in the in that game, which you didn't get a yellow card, so sometimes it swings your way. You know, and for the amount of times it's gone against the Union, I the couple things that have, like that game where it seemed like it was slightly swayed in our direction, I don't feel bad about that because I know we've been royally fucked by the refs multiple times, and it's it's gonna even out. You know, eventually it's your day to, you know. In two weeks, I'm going to be screaming about them again because of a a, a shitty call against the Union. Well, what's funny is because we had talked about, uh, Sean and I talked about, uh, I believe it was, um, uh, was it LaHood got uh, red carded for the kick to the face? Yeah. Okay, so LaHood gets red carded. It's a red card penalty, kick to the face against another player. I actually thought it was the correct call. I know it sucks that it's it's a double penalization against the team, that, and we can debate about that if it's so all who, right. I, mean, I, I I always agreed with him not playing or coming in late. He's a great guy, you know, good mm-hmm. professional player. There's a little rash at times, obviously, with his two red cards and how many games. But, you know, I, I can't be too upset when something like that happens because he does have that history of the yeah the not smart challenge that will get you a penalty and then ejected from the game. And what's funny is against uh, during the Red Bulls game and, and again I'm not blaming the loss on on the refs. Did I think the ref was terrible? Did I think he started calling things a little bit towards San Jose way? Yes, I absolutely do. I think San Jose was really easy to go down on challenges. I think they played dirty. And when they started challenging back, he was letting the game open up after previously calling those kinds of calls. I, I think that the MLF's refs are like my old high school gym coach. Now, my high school, he's like he's also the fo- head football coach. Winningest uh, coach in state history, you know, multiple state titles and all that. Mm-hmm. And he was also a gym teacher. Now, the guy is clearly a very good tactician when it comes to football. But when it came to sophomore gym class, he would say, okay, you on that team, 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 you know, until it was split up. And for some reason, he would stack the one team completely every single time, thinking that he was evening it out, like that he was going good person, good person, bad person, bad person. Mm-hmm. When he was really just putting all the athletic kids on the one team. And it was gym class. It didn't matter. It was just comical that it was every single day. And I feel like the MLS refs are like that sometimes, mm-hmm. where they think they're, like, evening out the game by not calling fouls later, 
when in reality it's just helping the team that they were calling for in the beginning of the game even more. You know, they're trying to even it out, but they're doing it the completely wrong way. Well, it, and it came down, and I really think the ref, and I, I'd have to look at his experience rating on, on peripheries or whatever and, and, and check it out, but I think he just showed an, an experience in in the RBNY game against San Jose. There was a moment where a challenge happened. He awarded the foul to Lenhart. Lenhart starts pleading with him to give – I forget who challenged him a yellow, and then he starts pointing and, you know, counting and, and carrying on like the asshole that Lenhart is, and the ref cards him for being an asshole. It, it's the only time I've actually seen a ref in MLS really issue cards for dissent, and he did it twice. He did it on the penalty uh, when Cahill was fouled. He awarded a yellow card to Wondolowski. Uh, for dissent because Wando started complaining about it and got really verbal with him and overreacted and kept going at it, and finally he earned himself the yellow. Wasn't there one called on one of the Red Bull players uh, in the Union game, too? Uh, a dis- was there a dissent? I could have sworn there was a dissent yellow in that game. I might be wrong. It might have been a different game, but I'm pretty sure there was one. There may have been. Um there was definitely some frustration on New York side, and I, I, I think it might have been after the penalty call. I'm not sure. Um, um, I can't remember on the penalty. You might be right. I Miazga might have gotten. I hold on. I'm going to pull that game up and just see if I can look at the yellows and um, and see. Uh, but Miazga did get a yellow. I'm not sure if it was for descent, but it does, I, it is showing that timeline. Um. Now, his was for a foul, it's saying, and, and the disciplinary reasons. So, um, I think Maybe it was a previous game then, I'm thinking of, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but, you know, uh, Lenhart gets one, and actually I tweeted at the time, I said, you know, Lenhart may be the only player I've ever uh, or seen get a yellow card because even the ref thinks he's an asshole. But after that, whatever Lenhart did was technically effective. I will give him that, and actually I, I said that on uh, the same night, I said it was effective because as soon as that happened, Tim Cahill and somebody else went into it. Tim Cahill got elbowed in the eye um, right in right in his brow. He was actually bleeding, had to leave the game, was subbed out, but got a yellow for incurring, for committing a foul where he was elbowed in the face. Not really sure. Then the ref points to, you know, frequent fouls apparently and then issues a yellow card. Not Two minutes later, he does the same thing to Lloyd Sam or uh, Alave. I can't remember which player. So Lenhart earned his, you know, his case, and all of a sudden, Red Bull players start getting yellowed for apparent frequent infractions. But then you don't see it happen on the other end. Like he doesn't start, you know, when he sees the, you know, uh, there was a there was a really bad foul on a, a San Jose player who had already had a yellow. He awarded the foul. Never issued a second yellow because, apparently, because the player was already sitting on a yellow. And it was bad enough to get a yellow. It was on a breakaway. He came in from behind, tackled. It's a yellow cardable offense. Leaves it alone. And so you get those moments of just inconsistency. And I want to know why something on the one end is a penalty. But, you know, it, it's weird. You know, that Philly play with LaHood. Red card, penalty happens in the Red Bull game, and maybe it's just the angle of what the, you know, the referee was looking at. But, I mean, uh, Lulandula takes one to the face, goes down, gets issued a yellow for simulation. It, there's got to be a consistency with the referees. That's all I really want in the league is just a consistency. 
Um, if we can get that, I think it, you know, regardless if it's, if it's, I don't know, consistency seems better than the role of the, the dice that we have now where you're never really sure how a referee is going to be viewing one play. Um, Wright Phillips has a guy slide tackle him as he's going for a header, comes from behind him and takes out his legs and ref looks at him and tells him to get up. It's you. What consists of a foul in the box? It's it, other leagues deal with bad calls. We deal with inconsistent refs. I think in MLS, I think that's our big problem. It's just the inconsistency. On the plus side of that, they do have their games where they're consistently good and consistently bad in the course of a whole game. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not like it's every game they're completely inconsistent. It's sometimes they do have consistently good stretches as well, but you know, it just you know it's not gonna last. No. It's you're just waiting for you know and I, I would even say an inconsistent bad game is almost better than the inconsistent game because an inconsistent game you can never get a read like you don't even allow a player to get a read for the game and how it's going to be called at least an inconsistently bad call game the players kind of know where it stands and they're going to adjust to how the game's being called when you're just inconsistent a player knows you almost take the players out of rhythm and I don't know maybe that's on the players um neither of us have games this weekend um, well, we have friendlies. Well, which, which, um, leading into what something I did want to talk about a little bit. Okay. It seems like we are getting Carlos Valdez back I, for the from, remainder of the season. It, but then I just saw a report that he may immediately be loaned out somewhere else again. So I'm not really sure. Mm. Assuming that the latest reports of him coming back to training, they're go, they're back in training tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning. So. Mm. You know, as of right now, I can't even look up to see if he's with the team or not. Um, assuming he's back, like it is reported, because his loan with San Lorenzo is terminated, so he is a back a union player again. It's just whether they keep him, I think. And with that, he would be our third DP, I believe, because Nogueira is not yet a DP based on his contract, mm-hmm. because... So Chow, or however you pronounce it, didn't get relegated or something like that. I don't know. And, and, uh, and so Adu is a DP, oh, and my Donna is a DP. Okay. So, but Nogueira isn't. So Valdez would be our third. Assuming he does stay for at least the remainder of the season, that's fine. He'd be our third designated player, not a problem. But that would give him a solid week and a half to get back in the swing of things to be able to start against Kansas City on the following weekend. Mm-hmm. So, it, and it also works out quite well with our new striker from Jamaica, Brian Brown, who I'm actually quite excited about having watched his highlight reel. I know it's a highlight reel and it's from Jamaica, but still, he seems like he has that eye for goal, um, which is not something you can really teach, especially a lot of American strikers. Mm-hmm. don't Just don't seem to know where the goal is half the time. He seems like wherever he is in the field, he knows where the goal is. Um, so that'll also, he played about 10 minutes against Chicago in, in the, you know, dying minutes. So you really couldn't see much out of him. So getting them both in the swing of things against Crystal Palace would be a very good thing for the union. You know, at least getting them to the point where he'd be comfortable bringing in Brown for a half hour or so. Holly Daddy would start. Mm-hmm. Um, and Valdez back, you, I mean, obviously it's a good problem to have with the defense at that point. 
I would think it would be Gaddis, Valdez, Okugo, and then Williams as the back line. I would think, as far as consistency goes. Um, and then, you know, Fabinho able to be subbed in at that point, pushing Adu into the midfield. Even though Kugo has done very well in the midfield in his time there, I think Adu is, you know, the DP and the big name and usually the, the captain when um, Carroll isn't in. So I would think that Adu would get pushed back up into the midfield, which is fine. No problem with that. Um, so that would be the best possible situation. Now, again, whether that actually happens, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll, I'll, we'll see tomorrow morning whether Valdez is actually in training or not and whether anything reports that he's even staying. Mm-hmm. So that would be nice. But, yeah, uh, no real games this weekend, though, as, as you were just saying. No. Hey, okay, hey, let's just go on to the, the, the friendlies a little bit. I, I really don't want to give a prediction. I, I am an Arsenal fan. I am actually trying to sell my tickets currently because um, – my cousin, my little cousin, has his uh, end of the season tournament this weekend, uh, yeah. and it, it, he's actually had a really good season for himself. His team's had a really good in his travel league. They've had a really good season, and are competing really heavily in the league that they're in. So I'm going up north to go watch his tournament and see how they they wind up. And uh, gotcha. uh, so I, I just hype for that game being an Arsenal fan. I was hyped for it, but you know what? It, it's still a meaningless friendly. Like these yeah. are, this is the type of game where, like, but at least you get an Arsenal still. Like our last couple friendlies have been, we'll see Crystal Palace, <laughs> Pumas, UNAM, Stoke, uh, Everton. Before that, Everton was there. Uh, I forget. There was maybe like there was Schalke at some point. Like. And then you would go back all the way back, you know, it would gradually get better going backwards in time until you got to Real Madrid and Man United, mm-hmm. you know. But at least you still get the the Arsenal, and Kansas City gets Man City, you know. Like, we're stuck with fucking Crystal Palace, who I can't name one player on that lineup. Well, what's, weird, what's weird to me in that game, too, I and I, it's so weird. Crystal Palace is about the most American EPL team that you will ever watch. Uh, you and Sean were talking about that on the one show, uh, and I commented later that you forgot that they also have the cheerleaders. Yes, and, and I have forgotten that they have they have cheerleaders. They have an eagle. It's apparently like, not that weird of a thing. There are a couple teams that have cheerleaders as well. I don't think they actually call them like that, obviously, but they're all like is some sort of dance team, cheerlead team thing over there, well, it, which is cool if they want to Americanize like that. Okay, I'm not a, I'm not really an Anglophile. I like the Premier League as much as the next guy, but I'm not a huge Anglophile. If they want to Americanize their game a little bit for marketing purposes, I have no problem with that. And, you know, I'll never complain about girls in, you know, the cheerleading outfits standing around jumping. So, you know. It's just, it's just weird to me. And because of, like, how... MLS plays and stuff, and, and like, and where Crystal Palace is in the league, I just don't understand how this friendly isn't the same thing as having an MLS team play an MLS team. Like, like to me, this is just it an is. MLS friendly. It's the same thing. Like, it, it's it's just a a team of similar stature from across the pond. Is all it is. There's yeah. no like, there there's no draw to it. Like, I went to Stoke last year. We got obliterated. We were shit last year, 
and, you know, and Stoke was actually half decent. So, even that was, like, but still, Stoke was good, but it's still Stoke. Like, there was a handful of fans there, you know, in the red and white, but for the most part, it was like, why? Yeah. If the family has to be playing at PPL because they can't, you know, they can't get enough tickets to get into the link, like, why even have it? Unless it's, like, a popular club from, like, Columbia or something, you know, like, where there's a large Colombian fan base for the union and all that kind of stuff. Well, and that's that's the thing. That That's what doesn't make sense to me. Like, so the Arsenal game in, in New York makes sense. Well, it's the first time since Arsenal's been in the States since 86. Yeah. Or 89. Playing Henri's team makes sense. It's Henri, It's going to be Henri's testimonial. Let's, let's all be honest. Henri's last season... We, we know this is coming. Like, this is, you know, his farewell game. Like, this is going to be the big farewell game. I wouldn't even be surprised. Not sure if it happens, but do not be surprised if Henri plays for both teams. One half of each? Yeah. He wanted to do it during the Emirates Cup. They wouldn't allow him as referees. I guarantee you there has been an exception made in this game where Henri is allowed to play for both teams. Second half. Yep, second half he'll come out in an Arsenal kit and play for Arsenal, and it will be his big farewell, and it will be kumbaya. I will be taping it off of ESPN2. You know, I'm not even worried about it. I just hope some Arsenal fan pays me for the tickets um, so I can be rid of them and just, you know, know that I have a little bit of extra money in my pocket. I'll get to watch that game when I come home, watch it on TV, and, you know. Would it be fun to go to that game? Absolutely. It'd be, you know, kind of fun. It's Henri's testimonial. But you know what? And it's, it's still a meaningless friendly. This game counts for nothing. We're going to see. At the end of the day, yeah. But, you know, the, the most I'm going to get to see is Arsenal play. But even, like, I can't bring myself to root for Arsenal when they're playing the Red Bulls in Red Bull Arena. I, it's not like I'm going to throw, you know, my, my – my Arsenal kit on and, and go down there and pretend that, you know, while sitting in my seats that I don't root for the other team every week. I would I would have to throw on my Red Bull gear. I would cheer for the guys, you know, clap when yeah. both teams scored. It, it's just all sorts of awkward. It doesn't, like, at least even if you're getting blown out by Arsenal, if it counted for something, at least you could be able to be like, you know what, it's the best, they're far superior team. But even this, everybody's going to take it easy. Nobody wants to get hurt. It's it's soccer, but it's not the same soccer. Like, it, you know, it doesn't... It, yeah, we have um, one friendly here. It's like AC Milan and Roma or something like that. And it's it's just why. You know, like, I don't follow either team or league at all. You know, I, I have no interest in going to the game. It'll be all the Italians from South Philly down there, I guess. I don't know. Um uh, uh, and it's at, I think it's at the link as well, um, but like I just I miss I, I I I for some reason it's weird, but I miss going to the friendlies against Man U and against Real Madrid, where it was the Sons of Ben in two or three sections of that massive stadium, and the rest of it being red or the rest of it being white. And you feel outnumbered, but you don't and, care and, at that point because it's yeah. your stadium and you're going to defend it to the last, even as, as the and game then, turns. You know, when we score, most people still cheer, but it's not the same. You know, like it's. Yeah. I miss that, and then but then we go two years later, and we're playing Schalke, Everton, Stoke, Pumas, and Crystal Palace. Like it's just. I want if you know I'm I'm paying for these games too. Like I don't know if it's if it's the same for you, but that's part of our ticket plan, I believe. It, it's it's a friendly. 
So, if they're giving us these games, I'd like to at least have some sort of desire to go. Like, I, I think our game is either Friday or Saturday. I'm not sure. But I know, like, I don't think I can go either way. Yeah. But even if I could, I would go very, very meh. Yeah. The time, because it's just not interesting. Well, and, yeah, no, I understand that. Um, they, they're included in our, our – our, the, the Arsenal tickets were included in our season ticket. But yeah. see, like, that wasn't a game at the beginning of the season. That wasn't a game that you bought your season tickets knowing full well. So we know we have a couple friendlies in the, the plan. Like, are we, I think it's one or two. Yeah. But we don't know what they are until they're announced. Yeah. So it could be Real Madrid, but it could be Crystal Palace. And lately it's been Crystal Palace. Yeah. So. Well, it, it, the, the Red Bulls, basically you buy your season ticket – package and your breakdown is the games that you know you're going to have and then they say if other things happen we may there may be additional games they don't even guarantee those games they just say they they there may be additional games and the arsenal game you know wasn't a guaranteed thing but then it came around and basically it's actually kind of a bonus for red bull fans that we got this game because if you can sell your tickets you're going to make some decent money the tickets face value is ridiculous ridiculous compared to, like, what my uh, face value is on. Like, I think my face value for a normal game is 30-some-odd dollars. My face value for the Arsenal tickets is $196. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you can sell those tickets, the only thing that Red Bull did a little bit that kind of screwed the fan base a little bit. I would never pay $196 to go to Harrison. I Uh, know (laughs) you talked about this, but I would never pay $196 to go to Harrison. Oh, I probably, uh, I'm going to be honest. I would not either. Um, (laughs) I don't even. And I might not even pay that still. You know, like that's. I would. uh, You know my feelings towards New York in general, uh, but still. Yep, no, $196 is what the face value for my tickets are. There is uh, seat values. Uh, I think the box seats are valued at like uh, eight thousand. What? Um, it's Arsenal. Arsenal hasn't been in the states since '89, so it becomes this. You know, it's been over twenty some odd years, and uh, it's this is like the twenty fifth anniversary. It's the only date that Arsenal's doing in the states. It's a high value ticket. Um, let's see if I can move them. That would be nice if I could get rid of them. You pretty much pay back your season ticket. Going. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I, if I can sell these tickets um, at this current um, at the current I price, I will pay for one of the seasons um, at what my current ticket value is. So, you know, uh, does not look like I've sold them yet, which you know that happens. Um, which even if I get a little money back on these, like eventually it will. Uh, go down again, and uh, we'll see. So, it is what it is. Um, we'll see if by the end of the week more people want to pick. And you have who after that next weekend? Uh, next weekend. Actually, it's not even the weekend. <laughs> it's not even like we get this, like, awesome where everybody's like, oh, we get this full week off. We're oh, see, we got the Arsenal friendly. No, no. We, uh, you guys get fucked. Yeah, we we uh, our next game is on the. Hold on, I got I had it pulled up and I had it in my head. I did too, and then I closed it. Um, back, back, back. I don't care if this is not professional. I, nobody has ever accused me of that. Um, let's see. 
oh, wait, you know what? I should just go to New York's schedule maker and do it that way instead of looking through the league schedule and being all confused. Um, we have, on July 30th, four days after the Arsenal friendly, in case you're wondering, that's a, uh, that is a Wednesday night, folks, I believe. Yep, Wednesday night, July 30th, we get RSL. And we get to fly out to RSL. Oh, you get to fly to RSL. Yeah, it's not even like we get to say, hey, we're staying home. It, so this friendly was scheduled so poorly. It's just this this trek. And originally before the friendly was, we had a game against New England on Sunday. I believe it was New England. And that got moved into April um, instead. So, yeah, third, uh, we have RSL. And RSL is having a good season right now. How New York's playing. I'm saying uh, – I'm going to say RSL wins it 2-1. I can't predict a win. Um, I, I will talk about it more next week on, on Tuesday's show when uh, we're back with uh, Mr. McGovern. But, I mean, that's uh, – yeah. in case you don't listen to it, man, that's what I'm saying. And then we have New England, which New England's been on a downward trend, and that's on August 2nd. But by that time – The way that they're going and the way that you're going, they'll probably get a win in that game. No. Their first win in, you know – Just however long. Eight or nine games at that point. Yeah, I think there's seven games without a win right now. Talk about a team that uh, fortunes have completely turned around from where they were they were headed at the start of this season. Which I'm fine with. Oh, well, I'm, I'm okay England. with it. It's New England. It's just meh, meh, meh. So, so. we have the Crystal Palace game this weekend, and mm-hmm. then Friday the 1st, away Kansas City. <sighs> If Valdez is back, I'm saying 2-2 draw, or maybe a 2-1 win. If he's not, I'm saying a 3-2 loss or a 2-2 draw. Like, it's it's just whether – we'll have a lot of rest, but they're still a really good team. And, you know, I, I we can score goals, but hopefully – I'm saying 2-2 draw this – I don't, if he's, alright, 2-1 win if he is back, 2-2 if he's not. That's it, final. You sure? Are you sure you don't want to? No, that's it. No, you don't want to change that again. That's it, right there. 2-1 if Baldas is back playing with the club, 2-2 if not. And then the next week we have Montreal at home that, you know, that's still too far away to comment on. Okay. Okay. I, see, I, I would think Montreal was the... the I mean, well, we, should, we should win, but, yeah, we're so inconsistent this year. We could get blown out by Kansas City and then, you know, beat Montreal, or the exact opposite. So, I, it's, it's still, still three weeks away. I don't really care to comment that far in the future. Okay. Okay. Um, with that, I think that's all we, we, we've talked a lot, and I'm not really sure where the time went, Mike. About what? <laughs> we, we talked a lot, and about what? You know? I'm really not sure, which is, I kind of like, I kind of enjoy when his show goes, and I look, and I'm like, um, I've been talking about soccer for about an hour, and I'm not really sure what I really talked about for an hour. Um, besides that, I know it was about, you know, the, the sport. Um, with that, you can find me at Real Ace Spade on Twitter. Uh, you can find the show at 
red, blue, H, yellow, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash red, blue, H, yellow. You can find the wonderful Mike Bashoff at Philadelphia, maybe the best Twitter handle for a Philadelphia fan ever, I believe. David, uh, or Jason Davis from Soccer Morning actually said the exact same thing today. I tweeted at you about after that. He was like, clever handle, Mike, actually very clever. And I was like, yep. I saw that. That was actually Jason Davis had actually said that? Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's, it's just everybody sees it and like instantly. He always, uh, whenever I tweeted him, he tends to have a negative comment towards me, towards whatever I'm saying in response to whatever he's saying. So it was funny that he actually responded positively, at least, if, if at least it was just towards my Twitter handle. Yeah, well, that's good. So. Um, but, uh, let's see, what else, what else, what else do I have to, um, Slightly association with, uh, if you're looking to check out more, at least about Philadelphia at the moment and the union, uh, you can always check over the soccer desk. Um, they do cover uh, the union a lot. They cover the Red Bulls a tiny little bit. Um, there are some sure, Red Bulls. Um, generic MLS coverage. They'll do EPL coverage, Champions League, World Cup, even though it's over. You know, so it's very soccer generalized with a focus on the union yeah um which is which is great they do good work over there um with that i think that's it i've been your host noah hotailing with me has been mike bashoff and i was hoping mike would say goodbye but mike has gone silent (sighs) i'm still here i was just waiting for you to give me my goodbye so okay yeah Okay. <laughs> now that we have fucked the entire goodbye up, we fucked it. It's done. Um, this has been Red and Blue Hate Yellow. Thanks for listening, folks. And I will see you later. <laughs> Good night. Oh, wait. And for Sean, now I'm staying, bitches. Watch out for time.